Hey, what's going on, guys? We finally made it after over a year of studying and going through starting this journey with the book of Revelation from Revelation chapter one. We are finally here. The conclusion of everything in Revelation chapter 22 begins today here on the Last Things Podcast. It's your boy Damien coming to you once again with another episode of the Last Things Podcast, where we are on a journey to truth. It is indeed an honor and a privilege to come before you once again as we discuss the Word of God. How is everybody doing on today? Thank you guys. I just I, I tell you guys all the time. Thank y'all so much for tuning in. I uh, I greatly greatly appreciate it from the bottom of my heart because as I tell you guys. This podcast will be nothing if it's not for your support. So I want to tell you guys, thank you so much from the bottom of my heart, man. I greatly appreciate you, man. I may not ever be able to see some of you in person, but just know that I love you and I'm all and and I'm praying for you guys. I'm always praying for you guys that God will will that blessings will overtake your lives. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, as the word says. Man, thank you guys so much for tuning in. I greatly appreciate it. Guys, this is a very special episode. Why am I saying it's a special episode? Because this is the last chapter in the book of Revelation. We have been in the book of Revelation for a little over a year, man. We, we've been in this thing a little over a year studying the book of Revelation. And now here we are. The last chapter in Revelation, Revelation chapter 22. This is the final chapter in this prophecy that God gave to Jesus, to our Lord Jesus, who then in turn gave it to an angel who then gave it to John, who is who is <laughs> been given it to us the entire time. Who, whoever reads this book whoever reads this prophecy. So as we're going to see now and now in the final chapter, we're going to see the, the conclusion of all things. We have already begun to see it throughout uh, the entire book, but now we are seeing the conclusion. We've seen the conclusion of everything of how the world is going to be in the state, how everything is going to be um, in the new heaven and the new earth. We just finished with a uh, new Jerusalem, the city that comes out of heaven looking like a bride, but it's not the bride. It's just the city. The bride is inside the city. So they'll call it the bride, but the bride is actually inside the city. New Jerusalem, the city itself is the how is the city of the bride. 
but the bride is inside of New Jerusalem. Who is the bride? All of those who are married to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. All of those. That's who the bride is. Okay. So now here we are, Revelation chapter 22. So let's do this. Let's begin to read uh, chapter 22. Okay. And we're going to start at verse one. Okay. This, and this is what it says. Then the angel showed me a river with the water of life, clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the lamb. Now that's the first, uh, that's verse one. Now, as we see here, the angel is, is, is showing John, he, he's still describing it seems like he's describing we were still inside of New Jerusalem right now. But there's going to be instances where we're going to see outside of I believe we'll see outside of New Jerusalem. But right now we're seeing we're on the inside of New Jerusalem. And look at what he says. He says there's a river with the water of life. There's a river with the water of life, clear as crystal, and it's flowing from the throne of God and of the lamb. Do y'all see that? It's flowing from the throne of God and of the lamb. Okay. So what is this river of of the water of life? There's not any scripture. Remember how I tell you to understand revelation, you have to go back into the old Testament, right? You have to go into the old Testament because a lot of the things that's in revelation is in the Old Testament. A uh, prime example is Revelation chapter 12. You got to go all the way back to Genesis to understand the vision of the woman and uh, the woman and the dragon, who the woman is. The answer is in Revelation, it, not in Revelation. The answer is in Genesis, not Revelation 12. You have to find it in Genesis, okay? So there's no mention of a river with the water of life throughout Scripture. However, there has been mentionings of water of life. One mention is John chapter four, verse 14. Let me grab my Bible. And this is what it says. But the water I give them takes away thirst altogether. It becomes a perpetual spring within them, giving them eternal life. So Jesus says the water he has, you won't thirst anymore. And then if you go to John chapter seven, verse 37, this is what he says. Verse 37 of John chapter seven. On the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds. If you are thirsty, come to me. If you believe in me, come and drink. For the scriptures declare, declare that rivers of living water will flow out from within. Now, the King James, this is a very popular verse. King James says it this way. He that believeth on me, as the scripture says, hath, as the scriptures hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. So there's another promise of Jesus where he talks about living water, right? So now here we are. And, and then, of course, we see it again in Revelation chapter 21, uh, verse 6. We see God, we see that Christ, I think it's God who makes the, who tells them about, let me, let's, you know what? Y'all know I don't like to butcher scripture. Let's just read it. Revelation chapter 21, verse six. This is what it says. Um, da, 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 Verse six. And he also said, it is finished. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end to all who are thirsty. I will give the springs of the water of life without charge. 
All who are victorious will inherit all these blessings. You see that? You see that there? We're going to come back to this scripture in, Revela in uh, verse six. We're going to come back to this because I'm going to prove a very specific. I want to I'm going to prove a point about something later on that a lot of people seem to um, seem to can't understand. So we're going to come back to that scripture because that's very important. OK, we're going to come back to it. But um, but we see here all through the New Testament, there's this thing about living water. Jesus said he provides it. He says, all those who come who are thirsty. Now, as we know, water, our bodies are like what? Seven, 70, some percentage of water. Water is a necessity that we need. Now you got some people who don't drink water, who drink soda instead. And then who drink, I knew a guy, he worked with me at my other job and man, he drunk Dr. Pepper like it was water and he kept getting um, gallstones. And uh, I was like, man, when I found out what a gallstone was and how you had to get one out, I said, oh, my God, well, my oh Lord, have mercy. And I found out what it was from. Like when you, it's from when you drink too much soda. Now, his soda of choice was Dr. Pepper. Anybody who knows me knows my soda of choice is Mountain Dew. And if I got to and if I got to choose out of all the different Mountain Dew flavors, it is Mountain Dew Code Red. Look, man, that is the true. Woo, man. Just the thought of that. Just the thought of that drink, man. That is my that if 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 kryptonite is Superman's weakness, Mountain Dew Code Red would be my weakness. It'll man, I tell you, I that stuff there is, woo, man. But anyway, so. But I'm saying that to say, but so, you know, that's drinking soda is not good for you. But Jesus said, I have living water. You know, we have to drink water. But Jesus said he has living water. OK, and now we're here. Revelation 22. And John is saying that, that an angel showed him a river of this water of life. So what kind of water is it that you can drink? That is life changing. You know what that water is? It's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. All through scripture, when we've seen the Holy Spirit, sometimes the Holy Spirit has been talked about as what? Water of life. So this river of water of life that we see and look at it, it's clear as crystal, meaning what? There's no impurities in it. We know how a lot of water, I don't know if you guys drink water out of a faucet, but there are times when the faucet water is running and you can like sometimes smell like it's got a metal, like it's got, like it smells like metal or something. And sometimes, and, and then there's sometimes um, down here in, uh, here in Houston, um, a few months ago, we had something that was going on in our neighborhood and the water was tainted. It was tainted. And they said, you have to boil the water. We were under a boil notice for a few days. So we couldn't drink the water out of the out of the faucet. Even though I don't drink water from the faucet, I buy a bottle of water, but we couldn't use it. We couldn't use it to cook. Now, of course, we can we could take a shower. We didn't take our baths with it, but we couldn't drink or use it to cook. Right. We had to boil the water first before we did those things. But and then there are times where, you know, we'll turn the faucet. You might turn your water on and your water might be brown. I mean, it's just brown. It's just brown. Comes out brown, right? But here that we see here in verse one, this water is clear. There's no impurity in this water. <laughs> Another way we could say it, there's no sin in this water. 
There's nothing impure. It is pure. And look where it's coming from. It is coming from where the throne of God and the lamb. So this water here, in my opinion, I believe this is the Holy Spirit flowing from the from the throne of God and of the lamb. OK, and then let's look at verse two. Let's look at verse two. It flow and look, uh, look what it says. It flowed down the city of the main, down the center. I'm sorry, down the center of the main street on each side of the river grew a tree of life bearing 12 crops of food. We've seen this, but we've seen this tree of life before, right? Yes, we have. If you go to Genesis chapter three, verse 22 through 24. This is very familiar. You know why? Because this is at the moment where Adam and Eve were kicked out of heaven, kicked out of heaven, kicked out of Eden for eating the um, eating the tree uh, for eating the fruit that can't eat from the tree from the knowledge of good and evil. That's the tree that they ate from. However, there's another tree that's there. Look at and, and look, this is a conversation that God is having. Verse 22. This is what it says. Then the Lord God said, look, the human beings have become like us, knowing both good and evil. Let me stop for a minute. You see that? He said, become like God said. Human beings have become like us. Ooh. Remember, I told you last week, Jesus was with God at the time at the time of creation. Right. But somebody else had to be with him. He's not just talking because when God is speaking, he say us like there's somebody else who's present with God through the creation. Not just Christ. The Holy Spirit is present with God as well. Go back and read Genesis chapter one. You'll see the Holy Spirit was there, too. The Holy Spirit is it talked about how God's spirit moved over the earth. So the Holy Spirit was there as well. But anyway, that's a whole nother topic. OK, but let's keep going. Um Verse 22, then the Lord God said, look, the human beings have become like us, knowing both good and evil. What if they reach out and take fruit from the tree of life and eat it? Then they will live forever. So the Lord God banished them from the Garden of Eden and he sent Adam out to cultivate the ground to cultivate the ground from which he had been made. After sending them out, the Lord God stationed mighty cherubim to the east of the Garden Garden of Eden, and he placed a flaming sword that flashed back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. You see that? This is where the tree of life is first mentioned. And what is it? It's a tree that if Adam and Eve had ate of the fruit, what did God say? They would live forever. They would live forever, right? So now here we are in Revelation chapter 22 and we're seeing the tree. There's a tree of life growing now on each side. There's two of them because on each side of the river grew a tree of life. So that means there's got to be multiple trees. And look what it says. They're bearing 12 crops of fruit with a fresh crop each month, meaning each month. This tree produces fruit from the tree of life. Okay. And now let's look at the rest of it. The leaves were used for medicine to do what? Heal the nations. Now, if we notice, if we notice about the uh, first thing, first, if you look at Luke 24, because this is, this is just something I wrote down. 
If you look at Luke 24, verse 30 through 43, this is when Jesus appeared to the disciples after he had been resurrected, right? Verse 41, in verse 41, I'm paraphrasing, I'm not going to turn to it. But in verse 41, it talked about Jesus sitting down and eating after he was resurrected, right? So here we see here that there's a tree of life that's going to produce fruit. And people eating from this fruit will do what? They will live forever. So that's just something that I just found that that, that was amazing. Like we're still going to be able to eat even after once once uh, we have come once after the millennial reign, after God, has, after Christ has established everything, after God establishes himself on the earth, that we will be a, we will still physically be eating. I, I just thought that was just something cool because I thought that once we die, we didn't have no we being our glorified bodies, we didn't have to eat. But I just thought that was a key thing that I just thought that was so cool to see that. Yeah, we'll still be eating food after our glorified bodies, according to what we're seeing, according to the script. In my opinion, what I see in the scripture. OK, but anyway, let's let's keep looking. I want to look at something else, too. Jesus also told the church, church of Ephesus in Revelation chapter two, verse seven. That if they overcome, they would do what? Be able to eat fruit from the tree of life in the paradise of God. That's what he told the church of Ephesus, right? So what's the paradise of God? New Jerusalem. And he told them what? They would be able to eat fruit, eat from their fruit, meaning what? They would live forever. That's what that means. When you eat from the tree of life, you live forever. And he told them, you'll eat from this tree and you'll live forever if you overcome. That's the key. They had to do. They had to overcome the troubles that they were facing at the time. OK, now look at that. part. Look at the other part of that scripture. It says the leaves were used for medicine to heal the nations. Now, when we see the word nations, nations normally means nations. We're not talking about kingdoms, talking about nations like different people, different classes of people like you have white, black, uh, Latino, Hispanic, um, uh, Asian, Chinese, Mandarin, Japanese, Russian, Ukraine, you know, different types, different classes of people. Now, the Bible says their leaves were used to to their leaves were used for medicine to heal the nations. Why would the nations need healing? You know why? Because the nations can't get along with one another. We see racism is very prevalent right now. It was so prevalent back in the day. And it, here it is. We're still separated right now by racism, where we think one group of one group of people are better than the others. We got white against black. You know, we've got black against black. We've got white against white, Hispanic against black, Hispanic against white. You've got white against Asian, black against Asian. We see all of these different nations coming against one another, not realizing that, hey, we may be different colors, but we are still brothers and sisters because at the end of the day, we all bleed red. We're just a different color. That's all, you know, in, in, in the, in the, in the, when it comes to like Africans, you know, African Africans do not like black Americans over here. That's just a, uh, that's just a key thing. They don't like us over here. They feel like we squander a lot of the opportunities that we have. And some of them feel like if I had your, if I had the opportunities you had, I would be better off. And sometimes some 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 of us that I see is like, yeah, 
I can see why they feel that way. But as you see, the leaves are going to what? Heal the nations, meaning all the racism, everything that divides the nations, the leaves from the tree of life is going to heal all of that. And the nations will be all under one accord. That is simply amazing, man. That's simply amazing. Now, let's go to verse three. Verse three says this, no longer will there, will there be a curse upon anything for the throne of God and of the lamb will be there and his servants will worship him. Now, let's go back to Genesis. We're going to go back again to Genesis. Let's go to chapter three, back to chapter three. This time we're going to go to verse 16. What does it mean when he says the curse? So what curse? This is right when Adam ate of the fruit and God pronounces a curse on them. He said, verse 16, then he said to the woman, of course, he cursed the serpent. Then he turns around. And he says to the woman, I will sharpen the pain of your pregnancy. And in your pain, you will give birth and you will and you will. Oh, this is about to be controversial. This is the New Living Translation. OK, King James will say it another way. But this is how the New Living Translation puts this. You ready? And you will desire to control your husband, but he will rule over you. Let's keep going, okay? That's enough said about that. Let's keep going. But verse 17, and he said, and to the man he said, since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree, which whose fruit I commanded you not to eat, the ground is cursed because of you. All your life, you will struggle to scratch a living from it. It will grow thorns and thistles for you, though you will eat of its grain. By the sweat of your brow, you will have food to eat until you return to the ground from which you were made. From you were made of dust and to dust you will return. That is the curse that God placed on Adam and Eve, right? However, it, further a couple of chapters after the flood. Noah comes off of the ark and he gives an offering. He creates an offering for God and God smells the sacrifice. And God says, because of I will no longer curse the ground for man's sake, because man's mind is evil all the days of his life. Here's a deeper, a deeper understanding of that particular scripture. God in his infinite wisdom is, say, is saying, I can't let them not be successful. Success has to come to them because if it doesn't, I'm going to lose them. The way my pastor, um, the way my pastor, Bishop Ed, Ed Johnson gave it to us. Success has to come to them. He said, it's got to, I, I can't curse the ground because God saw when I curse the ground, Look at how they turned out. So God says, I can't curse the ground because if I curse the ground, I'm going to lose them. Success has to come to them at some point, because if it doesn't, I'm going to lose them. They're going to walk. They're going to leave. Uh, they're going to go off on their own because their mind, he said man's mind is evil all the days of his life. They're going to fall to the traps and the thoughts of their dark of their dark and twisted minds and they're going to go off doing things that they should that they normally wouldn't do 
but they will because success doesn't come to them. Don't you don't we see in life now how people who have things have not worked out for them, how they just get depressed and they just go to a dark place where they just walk away from everything. They just seem like they check out. And you got some people who even uh, go as drastic as take their own life. God said, I can't curse the ground. That's a real place. When you haven't been successful for a long, when you when when you're working and ha as hard as you're working and success doesn't come to you, man, that's a hard place. That's a hard place to be at because your mind, you, your mind will wonder. You'll go to thinking and doing things that you normally wouldn't do. But God said, I can't curse the ground for that. However, if you notice, he said, I can't curse the ground. He didn't say nothing about taking a curse off the woman. And he didn't say man still won't have to work. Man will still have to work hard. Woman will still have pain in her pregnancy and women will still want to control their husbands. He just said, I won't curse the ground. So the curse is still the curse, in my opinion, is still existent. Why? Because. Women still have pain. Now, true, we have medication now. Women take medication now where they won't, where, where during the during um during the pregnancy, the pain might subside, but they're still in pain. As far as us going to work, we still have to work. We may not have to work as hard, but we still got to work. The Bible says if a man don't work, he shouldn't eat, right? We may not have to work as hard, but we still got to work hard to provide. Especially now with, with the way times are, you see how you see how inflation has increased. Some of us are having to work two or three, two or three jobs now just to make ends meet because the cost of living is so high. Because of that. But here, but that's the curse. Right. So if we look. So if we go back to Revelation 22, what does it say? It says no longer will there be a curse upon anything. So that means what? When the new when the people of the new earth work, they won't have to work as hard. The earth will yield to them the way it was always meant to. They won't have to work as hard. They here's a prime example. Y'all remember that cartoon, The Jetsons from back in the day? George Jetson's idea of working was doing what? Pressing a bunch of buttons. He could press some buttons. The machines would be doing all the work and he got his foot up relaxed. He got his feet up relaxed. You could press one button and everything and and everything was being done. He, he I remember he made one statement saying these four hour work days are brutal. I remember that statement. And I said, oh, my God, George, if you think a four hour work day is brutal, man, you ain't seen my work. You ain't seen a work day for me. My work day is almost 11, 12 hours a day. He say four hours a day is brutal. Man, shoot. He'll think <laughs> he'll be like, oh, no, forget this. Uh -uh. Oh, no, I can't do that. No, I can't do this. But as you see, I'm just using an example of how you see that. The curse is no longer the curse is no longer prevalent. So you know what that means? That means a woman won't have a desire to control her husband. And also, also a woman will not have child will not have pain during her child during a childbirth. It won't be painful. It'll be like easy for them. Some women think it's easy now, but can you imagine how it is in the uh, on the new heaven on the new earth? 
how much easier it will be. No, won't be no need for medication. Shoot, truthfully, might not be any need for doctors. You know why? Because it'll be so easy. They could probably do it themselves at their own house with their husband's help. That's just amazing, man. And then to think there's just no cur no, no curse on anything. On anything. And I want you to and I want you and I want you to notice something else too. That does not apply to just New Jerusalem. That applies throughout the entire planet. Now, here is something that I came across when I started studying over everything, right? So in um during in Revelation, after the millennial reign, which is in Revelation chapter 20, I believe it's Revelation chapter 20. I think it's chapter 20. But after the millennial reign, the Bible says what? You know, Satan. Before Christ's millennial reign, Satan is bound for a thousand years. That's during Christ's millennial reign. So there's no sin on earth during that time. Right. However, after because this is key to verse three, where it talks about there's not going to be a curse on anything, because you would think once Jesus comes, well, that means there shouldn't be a curse then. However, you have to remember after Christ's millennial reign, Satan is what he's let loose again, according to scripture. After the millennial reign, Satan will be let loose again to what deceive the nations. And then there's going to be a battle. The battle this time is going to be called Gog and Magog. Now, there's a reference to that in Daniel. However, the Gog and Magog that's in the book of Daniel is very different than the Gog and Magog in Revelation. If I'm not mistaken, the Gog and Magog battle in Daniel is about the kingdoms of the north coming down to the south. I think that's I think that's what it is. It's the kingdoms of the north. However, the Gog and Magog in Revelation, it's about people coming from all four corners of the earth. So when Satan is let loose after the thousand year after Christ's millennial reign, what happens? Sin is introduced back in back in it all over again. So what happens? The curse is, is, is back in again, because after the millennial millennial reign, what happens? You're going to have people fall into sin. You're going to have that. Why? Why do? How do you know that? Because in the battle of Gog and Magog, when they come and surround Jerusalem at the time, not New Jerusalem, not the city coming down, the Jerusalem on earth at that time, the city Jerusalem on earth, they're going to surround Jerusalem at that time. And then, of course, we already know what happens. God is going to send fire from heaven. It's going to burn up everything. And then that's when Satan and uh, Satan will be thrown into the lake of fire. But do you see how sin will be reintroduced into the world after the millennial reign? Why? Because Satan will be let loose out of his prison and he will be given a short time to try to deceive the nations again, try to deceive people again. So after all of that is taking place, now we see why verse three makes sense. Why he said there will no longer be a curse on anything. Why? Because Satan is thrown. And by this time, Satan is in the lake of fire burning for all eternity. There's no sin on the earth. That's why it says now there's no curse. Why? Because after the millennial reign, Satan will be let loose again. It's in Revelation chapter 20, I believe. It's ver I think it's Revelation chapter 20, where it talks about Satan will be let loose to tempt the nations again for a little while. 
So at that moment, sin will be introduced again. Why? Because Satan is let loose. And then there's going to be a battle. And the, uh, and it's going to be called the battle of Gog and Magog. As I said, very different from the battle of Gog and Magog in Daniel. But that's what it's called. And they're going to come from all four corners of the earth. So what does that mean? Satan's going to deceive some people. Some people are going to fall into sin after the millennial reign of Christ, not during the millennial reign, after the millennial reign. And then what will happen? Satan will be thrown after after they're defeated. Satan's going to be thrown into the lake of fire. Along with everybody else who fell into sin. That's why God is talking about nothing evil will come in. Nothing, nothing evil will come into New Jerusalem. The curse There'll no longer be a curse on anything. Why? Because people will still fall into their sin. Some people will still fall into sin after the millennial reign when Satan is let loose. Okay. I just wanted to throw that out there, man, because I felt like that was very important to really bring that up. Okay. Thank you guys for tuning in to this week's episode. Join us here next week as we continue our study of Revelation chapter 22 next week here on the Last Things Podcast. Love you guys. Be blessed.